This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking MLK day. What's going on? Not high enough for this shit. Burf down some brownies. Need to smoke a little bit. I'd pour, I'd pour one out for MLK, but the bong water just wouldn't smell good on the floor. What we be talking about tonight? I got some bad news for you. You know how they say the rich gets richer? It's not just an old adage anymore. That's just math. Chainsaw, good evening, my friend. We're going to talk about how the top 1% got about 40% richer. And on MLK Day, too. MLK might have had a policy prescription for such issues. I'm going to show you a Republican saying that uh, the people he hears from are telling him they want to work longer. Was to justify the spending cuts that Republicans are going to be proposing as we move towards the debt ceiling fight that's going to take place on Thursday. I really would like to not have to talk about George Santos. But it's like every fucking day he outdoes himself. He or somebody in his staff apparently pretended to be now House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff. This along with uh, the fact that he claims to have had two knee replacements and apparently that didn't happen. But in the last couple of hours, a news report from a local New York station says that an official uh, in New York has proof that Santos admitted to a crime. We're going to talk about the finance laws that may take him out of Congress. Chuck Todd got into it with Senator Ron Johnson about trading on family names. Speaking of family names, Ivana left money to the nanny who raised Donald and Eric Jr. No, Donald Jr. and Eric. Maybe this was the reason why Jr. was upset and went on an incoherent rant. What's new, though? They are going to be cutting off an entire town's water in Arizona. I don't exactly know the whole story on that one, so I can't really give you an idea of what's going on. Simp, you're not late. You came just in time. Poor, good evening. Pathological liar. Pathological liar. Here's your meme of the day. 1% versus the exploited proletariat. 
I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to use. If I wanted to use that one or if I wanted to use... Just because we killed MLK doesn't mean we can't miss him. A joke FBI account. But just this this fits into one of our top stories here tonight. The exploited proletariat. For those of you listening to the podcast audio. A bunch of Oreos that have had the cream taken out of them. You know how you can take the cream out of one Oreo, put in another Oreo, make a double stuffed Oreo? Well, this is pretty much every Oreo in the pack having the cream scraped from their cookies stacked into one Oreo. That's a 1% stuffed. Six people are dead in a California home and apparently... It's a teen mom and her baby were among the victims. Tennessee officer is under investigation after the death. Suspect. Officer in London. It's not just, it is not just a U.S. problem. An officer in London is admitted to being a serial rapist. One of Italy's biggest mafia bosses has been arrested. An Iranian detainee going on a hunger strike. This is a fantastic story. I can't wait to tell you guys this one. An oil tycoon first lost a huge chunk of his fortune while he invested in Enron then proceeded to lose another chunk of his fortune by falling for Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Guess what? He was invested in FTX. (laughs) I've avoided talking to it, or talking about it, talking to it. Yes, I've avoided talking to it in reference to Andrew Callahan. I've avoided talking to it. I've avoided talking about it Till this point, we're going to watch Andrew Callahan's apology video. I watched about a minute of it. And uh, I've got something to say about it. i got something to say about it. A man with a Jesus Saves shirt was in the Mall of America and apparently ordered to leave. Perhaps you've been wondering what former Congressman Madison Cawthorn has been up to since he left uh, the House of Representatives. Tell you. One of the most manly things you will ever see. Last year we were talking about him uh, dressing up in drag, fondling his friend's junk. Now he is doing the most manliest thing. The most manly. <laughs> the most manliest thing you can think of. Let more tonight on the Troll Patrol Live. What's up, people? Borg, good evening. Simp, good evening. Anybody else snuck in here on me? Warlord, my friend. No shot. If you had one shot, one opportunity, you take it. 
course, it is MLK Day, and we watched Biden from MLK's church last night. I bored the shit out of everybody and ran them all off by reading uh, a letter from a Birmingham jail. But tonight, we're going to watch a video of Biden's address earlier today. Hey, we all remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his impact on the civil rights movement. Yeah, and President Biden delivered the keynote speech at the National Action Network's MLK Day celebration. We face another inflection point in our nation's history, one that's going to determine what this country looks like several decades from now. You know, uh, this is a time for choosing. Will we choose democracy over autocracy or community over chaos? Love or hate. Time for choosing, not losing. These are the questions of our time that I ran for president to try to help answer and that Dr. King's life and legacy, in my view, show us the way. Perhaps it's the time for cruising. We should all hop in to Joe Biden's uh, Corvette. Maybe we can find some classified documents. Forward. We just have to look back. We got to be prepared. We want to bring in now Antoine Seawright. He is a Democratic strategist. I think it was for that uh, organization that he was speaking in front of, uh, National Action Network, NAN. Dr. King's life and legacy, in my view, show us the way forward. We just have to look back. We got to be prepared. Lenny, good evening. We want to bring in now Antoine Seawright. He is a... Hey, hey, Lenny, since you're in Boston, have you been to the statue? I don't remember if I asked you last night. Have you been to the statue, the MLK statue? What do you think about it as a Bostonian? Get in, losers. We're going nowhere. <laughs> Nothing will fundamentally change. And this is the MLK statue. We talked about this last night. Uh, this is what it's a picture of. I mean, this this that's what it's a statue of. It's a statue of this picture. Democratic strategist. He is also uh, a CBS News political consultant. And uh, Antoine, we know that that you have supported the president. You have been there as the president has made many of these commitments to uh, the black community. Overall, what are your impressions of his speech today? I understand the head scratching. Look, I think the president hit the nail on the head. In fact, the president did a great job of what I think Matt Walsh's, I don't really care about this piece and whether we watch it or not. Matt Walsh's next product is going to be some, uh, whatever the fertility drugs he's been feeding his wife. Had his fourth and fifth kids. I'm sorry. You having twins, your fourth and fifth time. That's usually a sign that you're using some fertility drugs, sir. I don't think that's very natural of you. Justin Freakin, the formidable voice in the culture. You are using unnatural drugs to wreak havoc on your wife's body. That shit isn't that shit is not reversible. He's got a warming cock sheath that protects him from toxins apparently. I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, if I if I was to see Matt Walsh's cock, I uh, I would kick him right in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. It didn't make much sense, but I went for it. Future Octodad, General Strike, what's going on, my friend? So glad to see you. 
So glad to see that fist. We should all raise a fist. Honor of MLK Jr. Here is a clip of MLK on the Tonight Show. Harry Belafonte was guest hosting Martin Luther King Jr. on the Tonight Show. Use some of this time to get into pleasantries and to talk about the many experiences I've had with you, not only here, but in Europe and other places. What do you have in store for us this summer? That's a good question. Well, I don't know about the summer, huh? I guess I should begin with what we have in store for the spring. I feel that we are in the midst of the most critical period in our nation, and the economic problem is probably the most serious problem confronting the Negro community. And I might say the most serious com- uh, problem confronting poor people. I mean, he fucked Borg, so. I don't want to be narrow about this, talking only about the black poor in our country, because I must be concerned about Puerto Ricans who are poor, Mexican-Americans, American Indians, and Appalachian whites. And we are confronting a major Bridget. depression uh, in the poor community. And I think the time has come to bring to bear the power of the direct action, the nonviolent direct action movement, on the basic economic conditions that we face all over the country. Nonviolence has been a tremendous force in grappling with the social problem of legal segregation and the syndrome of deprivation surrounding that system. And of course, it has been a major force in grappling with the political problem of the denial of the right to vote. But in winning victories like the Civil Rights Bill of 64 and the Voting Rights Bill of 1965 around uh, the issue of segregation and voting rights, we discovered that uh, these uh, legislative strides uh, did very little to improve the lot of the millions of Negroes in the ghettos of the North and in the nation generally. In other words, it did very little to penetrate the lower depths of Negro deprivation uh, in communities all over. There you go. That was MLK on the Tonight Show. Harry Belafonte guest hosting. That was from 1968. We ain't done yet. We ain't done. Want to highlight that he thought the economic problem was the serious problem we face. Now let's hear his policy prescriptions, shall we? Aggressive aunt, good evening. We must also realize that the problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic power. We read one day, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if a man doesn't have a job or an income, he has neither life 
nor liberty and the possibility for the pursuit of happiness. He merely exists. Estimated that we spend $322,000 for each enemy we kill in Vietnam while we spend in the so-called war on poverty in America. And I would say that number is far higher now. Only about $53 for each person classified as poor. The promises of the great society have been shut down on the battlefield of Vietnam, making the poor white and Negro bear the heaviest burdens both at the front and at home. The other thing I want you to understand is this, that it didn't cost the nation one penny to integrate lunch counts. It didn't cost the nation one penny to guarantee the right to vote. But now we are dealing with issues that cannot be solved without the nation spending billions of dollars and undergoing a radical redistribution of economic power. Yes, yes. Here, here. Who's the wokest of the woke? Has dignity. Yes. But you are doing another thing. You are reminding not only Memphis, but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. It's gotten worse. Opportunity. That's the watching this. As inspirational as this is, to know that the problem has gotten gotten increasingly worse over the last fifty plus years is is it makes me sick to my stomach. It's the gulf between the haves and the have-nots, and the question is whether America will do it. There's nothing new about poverty. What is new is that we now have the techniques and the resources to get rid of poverty. And the real question is whether we have the will. At the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to under... 40 acres and a mule, bitches. ...economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, today many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we are faced with.
And this is the reality. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, we are coming to get our check. And I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. Hayes, good evening. As I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. Damn right, General. If to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own... The specific videos I'm playing you are the reason they killed him. ...self-asserted manhood, his own... That's why I wanted to be sure to play them today. Don't let anybody... Take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. As somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black. Ugly and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high and clean. But I want to get the language right tonight. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out, Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. What is the relationship between this and the reality of the Negro masses? Well, to leave Martin out of it for a moment. Martin's very rare, very great man. Martin's rare for two reasons. Probably because just, just because he is. And because he's a real Christian, and he really believes in nonviolence, he's arrived at something in himself, which permits him, permits him, allows him to do it. And he still has great moral authority in the South. There's none whatever in the North. Paul Martin has gone through God knows what kind of hell to, wake, to awaken the American conscience. But Martin has reached the end of his rope. There's some things Martin can't do. Martin's only one man. Martin can't solve the nation's central problem by himself. There are lots of people, lots of black people I mean now, who don't go to church no more and don't listen to Martin, you know, and who anyway are themselves produced by civilization, which is always glorified violence unless the Negro had the gun. So that Martin, Martin is undercut by the performance of the country. The country is only concerned about nonviolence. I don't believe so, poor. I'm going to get violent. Was I worried about about, about nonviolence if it's some Alabama sheriff? Jim, what do you see deep in the recesses of your own mind as the future 
of our nation. And I ask that question in that way because I think that the future of the Negro and the future of the nation are linked. They're indissoluble. Yeah. Now, what do you see? Uh, are you essentially optimistic or pessimistic? And I really don't want to put words in your mouth because what I really want to find out is what you really believe. Well, I'm both glad and sorry you asked me that question. I'll do my best to answer it. I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. To be a pessimist means that you have agreed that human life is an academic matter. Jones, so good evening. I'm forced to believe that we can survive whatever we must survive. But the Negro in this country, the future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of the country. It is entirely up to the American people and our representatives. It is entirely up to the American people whether or not they're going to face and deal with and embrace this stranger whom they maligned so long. What white people have to do is try to find out in their own hearts why it was necessary to have a nigger in the first place. Because I'm not a nigger. I'm a man. But if you think I'm a nigger, it means you need it. We get taken down. It was Twitch. The white population of this it was worth it, though. North and South, because it's one country. And for a Negro, there's no difference in the North and the South. There's just a, you know, a difference in the way they, in a way they castrate you. But, that's, but the fact of the castration is the American fact. Not exactly sure. Let me find out. And the, you invented it. You, the oh, James Baldwin. And you got to find out why. Well, and the future of the country depends on that. Whether or not his eyes, his eyes may be watering from all of the smoke in the room. To be honest with you. Well, and the future of the country depends on that. Whether or not he's able to ask that question. As a Negro, and as an American, I can only hope that America has the strength and the capacity. The moral strength to ask and answer that question in a affirmative and constructive way. face that question. Yeah, I, well, I'm coming to you from the future. It didn't happen. When I first started in radio, we could, uh, we could smoke in the control room. That was wild to me. When I first started in radio in the year 2000, in the control room. So I really wanted to highlight uh, MLK's socialist positions, given the fact that this is our top story here tonight. Oxfam calls for billionaire busting policies. Says the world's top 1% has been getting richer much faster than everyone else. Governments around the world need to reduce the number of ultra-wealthy people by adopting billionaire-busting policies, Oxfam said in a Monday report. The UK-based group of non-profits said in the report the richest people have grabbed nearly two-thirds of the $42 trillion in new wealth created since 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic started. That's twice as much as the rest of the 99% managed to amass in new wealth. 
As a reflection of this growing wealth disparity, at least 1.7 billion workers are living in countries where inflation is outpacing wages, according to Oxfam's analysis of data from Eurostat, Trading Economics, and Consultancy Corn Ferry. Oxfam is now advocating to have the wealth and number of billionaires between now and 2030 through taxation and other moves in order to get to a fairer, more rational distribution of the world's wealth. Also seeking a permanent increase in the taxes of the richest to at least 60% of their income. In particular, Oxfam is calling on governments to raise taxes on capital gains. We need to do this for innovation, or for innovation, for stronger public services, for happier and healthy, healthier societies, and to tackle the climate crisis by investing in the solutions that counter the insane emissions of the very richest. Just four cents of every tax dollar comes from the wealth of uh, uh, just four cents of every tax dollar come from wealth taxes. Most of the income of wealthy people uh, are also unearned and are derived from returns on their assets, but it's taxed at an average of 18%, just over half of the average top tax range on wages and salaries. Oxfam published its report just as the World Economic Forum commences on Monday in Davos, Switzerland. Taxes are good just because it fucking takes money from people who shouldn't have so much fucking money. But I mean, I do not hold out hope here in the U.S. that we're going to get uh, a fairer tax policy, a more progressive tax policy like uh, Oxfam is calling for because we've got political leaders that are like this stooge. For what reason the age retirement? You know, uh, that's interesting uh, that you ask that question. Uh, people come up to me, they actually don't work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's on the table you're saying? Well, you know, uh, if people want to work longer, maybe you need to give them an incentive to do it. Okay. What? What? Okay, if people wanted to work longer, they can. You don't have to raise the Social Security age, which is already uh, much higher than what it is in France, for example. I think France is currently uh, protesting an increase of the retirement age from 62 to 64. Ours currently set at 67. Some people propose 70. Some people propose 72. Yeah, that's a way to solve every one of these problems, by the way. I know, I know. And actually, uh, wrong wealth at the same time. Mm-hmm. It just takes that right there. Holy shit. Just takes that right there. This was, um, the fucker from Georgia. What was your name? Well, well, for what reason the age? Rick Allen from Georgia. You know, uh, that's interesting, uh, that you asked that question. Uh, people come up to me, they actually don't work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's on the table you're saying? Well, you know, uh, if people want to work on maybe you need to give them an incentive to do it. Okay. Yeah. I volunteer them to be the first one to the uh, boards. Oh, yeah. And actually, uh, wrong wealth at the same time. Mm-hmm. It 
Just take that right there. We know who he represents. Progressive aunt. I that dude the other day that came in here uh, talking about how he didn't want to pay for my health insurance. Like that's a motherfucker that's never had uh, an interaction with uh, health insurance companies. Number one cause of bankruptcy in this country is medical debt, something that doesn't exist in other countries. Number one cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. is medical debt. I can assure you, I can assure you, you may think. <laughs> Shelly, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, that's, that's how insurance works. You pay your premiums in. You get sick. I'm paying for it because <laughs> I'm paying my premiums still. And you're the one cashing in. But like, people don't understand. Right-wingers are fucking morons. But what they will understand, and unfortunately it will be too late, is when they actually have to deal with insurance companies. You can have good insurance in this country and still go fucking bankrupt. You can still have treatments denied. And also, one of the one of the most egregious things about our system is even if you have good health insurance and you have a severe medical problem, you're probably going to spend a good portion of your time talking with uh, claims adjustment fucking what agents and shit. Whatever the fuck they call insurance people. I, I saw it with my mom who was bedridden for most of my uh, high school and early adult life. As she was going through this, she has rheumatoid arthritis that was degenerative, ate away at her uh, joints. They, for fucking 10 years, they didn't even know uh, what it was. So it was constantly going to doctor's appointment, because this is... 96, 97, something like that when this started. So it was constantly going to doctor's appointments, being told it's lupus or it's blah, blah, blah. We're going to put you on this experimental drug. And then having to be on the phone with insurance companies almost nonstop to try to get them to pay for the service that you are paying for. Yep, your insurance is linked to your job. Which, for the longest time, I have argued that it would make uh, a far more innovative society to uncouple insurance from uh, your employer and do a universal system because then people don't have to worry about keeping their insurance and employers can't hold it over your head. But no... And it's because we have shit weasels like this in Congress. Janet Yellen says we are going to hit the debt ceiling on Thursday. There was some dispute over when we would actually hit the debt ceiling. Apparently, we will default in June. But we hit the debt ceiling on Thursday. I don't know how this shit works. Apparently, they don't either. Because it's still just an estimate that we hit the debt ceiling on Thursday. U.S. will hit its debt limit Thursday. Start taking steps to avoid default. Yellen warns Congress. 
Yeah, let's watch the video from CNBC. Actually, who you see right there at the White House, we do have breaking news on the debt limit. Kayla, what do we know? Well, Scott, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen just wrote a letter to leaders in Congress saying that beginning next Thursday, January 19th, the United States will be reaching its statutory debt limit of just more than $31 trillion, at which point it will have to start taking what it calls extraordinary measures to conserve capital at the federal governmental level uh, to avoid a default on debt. To do that, Treasury is going to be withholding some investments from retirement funds for postal service workers as well well as other federal government employees. And Secretary Yellen says that uh, as soon as any such deal on the debt ceiling is reached, that those investments accounts will be made whole a senior administrator yep yep it's the workers that gotta take the hit all these rich motherfuckers in congress that are gonna make this happen but it's gonna be the workers to get the brunt of it an official tells me that the white house believes that negotiations on a potential debt ceiling deal would begin in earnest after the tax season deadline in mid-april at which point treasury will know exactly what tax receipts have come in what revenue looks like and exactly how much time will be left on the clock at which point they'll be able to begin that's to too good of an idea on republicans in congress about exactly how a deal could come together. Secretary Yellen says that uh, the U.S. will be able to maintain these extraordinary measures until about early June. We'll see how that goalpost moves in the coming months. Scott? So it seems like Treasury is preparing for a prolonged fight that we're not going to get a deal this week and that it may drag out all the way through June, if not longer. My God, why is it? Why Why is that going to happen? Well, I can tell you why, because uh, Kevin McCarthy is now beholden to the furthest right part of his caucus, and they have demanded that Republicans hold the government hostage. The U.S. is expected to hit its debt limit on Thursday, according to a warning to Congress from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. The current national debt stands at more than $31 trillion, America's total borrowing. By the way, I would just like to point out that the bulk of that money we owe to us. A lot of people don't know that. I had a whole argument uh, with a dude the other day. About we're in too much debt, blah, 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 31 trillion. I was like, yeah, who owns most of that debt, sir? See, what you don't understand is that money itself is debt. And that if the government was to pay off all its debt, there would be no money in circulation. Because we have a fractured reserved banking system. Limit is just slightly higher at 31.4 trillion. Yellen says once the limit is reached, the Treasury will start taking, quote, extraordinary measures to prevent a default. In an interview Sunday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he wants to work with the Biden administration to negotiate raising the debt ceiling. I believe he wants cuts down with anybody who wants to work together. I Mm. believe this president could be that person. So uh, once again, I, I am horrible with economics and shit. But basically what it is, is that the Federal Reserve... The, the U.S. government orders the Federal Reserve to print some money. So say they print, uh, for, uh, for the purpose of this example, $1,000. They put that $1,000 into a private bank. And then that bank 
can uh, loan out fucking what, 10 grand off of that because all they have to do is hold 10% in reserve. So it just created that money out of thin air. And all it has to do is hold 10% of the reserve in of the money that it created. That is a gross oversimplification. But it's purposely complex. So that, you know, laymen won't want to try to understand it. That's the conversation I had with the president. I want to sit down with them now so there is no problem. I'm sure he knows there's places that we can change and put America on a trajectory that we save these entitlements instead of put them into bankruptcy the way they have been spending. And CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarland joins us here in D.C. with Instead more. of putting them into bankruptcy. Um, so you heard Kevin McCarthy saying he wants to negotiate with Biden, but the White House is saying we don't negotiate on the debt ceiling. So how on, does man. this move forward? This is not the best trajectory, right? Yeah. We looked into what those extraordinary measures would be to buy mm-hmm. us some time first. The Treasury Department says they'd stop payment to some retirement programs. The thrift savings plan, which is the federal government version of a 401k. The kind DJ of- Dub and D. Okay. To be fair to Kevin McCarthy, I think that's just the way he talks. I don't think he's purposely being condescending. I think he just sounds like a pretentious fuck. Because that money isn't needed to... Okay, here's the thing with Biden. Uh, will he compromise? Uh, they did before. Like, we've we've been in this situation before, uh, and it was actually the Freedom Cock, or the precursor to the Freedom Cock, that saved us! So Paul Ryan negotiated this whole deal with Obama, and this would have been, what, 2010, 2011? Negotiated the deal with Obama, and they were going to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. They absolutely agreed to it. However, the Tea Party Caucus got so upset that Paul Ryan negotiated with Obama that they torpedoed the deal. So they did the right thing, but for the fucking wrong reason. (laughs) Uh, And that's what ended Paul Ryan's political career. And also the other day I was trying to figure out uh, the young gun thing. Uh, There was like a a, a magazine cover that had like the GOP's young guns. And uh, I forgot. I said Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, and I forgot the other one that was on it. It was Eric Cantor. Eric Cantor and Paul Ryan no longer in uh, Congress. Today. That buys time. But the thing is, and there's really no getting around this, we are three days out from the deadline. This is the time for the conversations. Sex pixels. Sex pixels. I don't know if I said hey to you. Good evening, my friend. Spamberger of Virginia, who has met the middle ground on a lot of issues in her time in Congress. Here's what she had to say about the debt ceiling and the talk so far. Might we get to a point where... The United States doesn't pay its debts. Might we get to a point where the full faith and credit of the United States government is downgraded? The fact that we're even earnestly worrying that we could reach that place um, creates instability, um, certainly here at home, but beyond that, absolutely on, on global economic markets. So both sides are talking past each other. Democrats mm. say they won't negotiate on this. Republicans say they want to sit down and talk. We're three days out. This is going to be... <laughs> We're three days out. We see a near... 
breach because we're getting just weeks away now. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that because that was the last time that when I was covering Capitol Hill, this seems to be the same thing all over again. Um, the difference here, though, is that we just went through this huge speaker battle for Kevin McCarthy just to get the votes to be able to become speaker. Now he has the task of, of guiding this uh, mm -hmm. conference through to agree to, on a debt. I think that's what made him weaker about agreeing to a debt ceiling. This group that has been resistant to McCarthy is willing to budge on anything, or is this part of those negotiations this to was, get him Exactly. The this deal? was part of the negotiations. This was one of the wedge issues they were trying yeah. to iron out behind closed doors is what to do about the debt ceiling dispute yeah. when it comes down the road. And, and, and we're down that road now. And Abigail Spamberger, I think, crystallized the concern so many people have, which is if we're even talking about this, there's a lack of certainty that could rattle the markets and could rattle the economy. I need to pack another one. 2011, when they got near, I just cashed it out. The reality we face now. Yeah, I mean, these. Uh, this is not just a political fight. This has real life implications for people. Um, I also want to talk about some of the other drama that's been unfolding on Capitol Hill, which is uh, the controversy over George Santos, the embattled New York Republican who says. Oh, hold he's on, not hold resigning. on. Uh, McCarthy. We ain't there yet. We're coming. <laughs> we're coming up on that story here in a little bit. We'll, we'll get to Santos. Oh, maybe that was, maybe that was my next story. Oh, I had this thing about there, uh, a couple different states are wanting to, um, pass a bill to eliminate the state tax on social security. I'm all for that. I believe Missouri and Minnesota are two of the states that, uh, currently have that on the table. But, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to skip over that one though. Let's talk about George Santos. Let's go to George Santos. So Santos might be removed from Congress if we find out that he broke campaign finance laws. Freshman Congressman George Santos, the chair of the House Oversight Committee, says if Santos broke campaign finance laws, he'll be removed from Congress. The government accountability group Accountable.us is asking the FEC to investigate, saying the Republican misused campaign funds for personal expenses. The group also claims Santos accepted excessive contributions and filed disclosure forms late. Santos lied about how much of his resume and life story. So a couple other doozies have come out. Apparently he claimed that he had knee or double knee surgery. He had double knee surgery. And somehow that didn't happen. But the thing I'm most interested about is the fact that he pretended or someone on his staff pretended to be the chief of staff for now House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Let me repeat that again. Either George Santos or someone on his staff was pretending to be the chief of staff of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. I never know all about his resume or not, but I always had a few questions about it. What about when you did the campaign pretending to be your chief of staff in his solicitation? You know, I didn't know about that. It happened, and I know um, they corrected, but I was not notified about that till uh, a later date. Did you speak to him about it at all? Yeah, I didn't know about it till a later date, though, unfortunately. I never know. That's, that is a lot. Like, he was so nonchalant about it. Oh, yeah, he pretended to be uh, the chief of staff of my fucking office. 
Well, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't know about it at the time. Wow, Kevin. I, uh, made a little TikTok of last night's segment on George Santos. I want to quit talking about the motherfucker, but he just keeps doing shit to, to make me have to talk about him. This is from 2019. During a Q&A session at a walkaway LGBT event. How do you feel like you're able to serve your people? <laughs> Tripped over the newspaper. So this is Anthony DeVolder, better known as Congressman George Santos. My name is My name is My name is So my name is Anthony DeVolder. My question's directed for both Blair and um, Brandon. Well, Brandon's an idol to all of us. Sure. Thank you. So the, the one thing I thought that he was telling the truth about was that he was gay, but now looking at that facial hair, I do wonder, are you actually gay? Brandon, well, Brandon's an idol to all of us. Go, Brandon. Come Welcome. on, man. I've been working on adding some uh, production value to some of the clips I make. So, in the last couple of hours, uh, reports have broke that a official in New York says they got the dirt, uh, the dirt on Santos, and they can prove that uh, he admitted to committing a crime. And I'm Dana Tyler. A Long Island Republican Party leader says he has proof Congressman George Santos admitted to crimes in Brazil. And that's not the only new revelation about the Republican representative. CBS 2's Jennifer McLogan on the new videos released and what they reveal. The Santos campaign office in Douglaston, Queens, appeared closed again as new videos of him emerged, including one about Baruch College, the school Santos never attended. I actually went to school on a, on a volleyball scholarship. We went to, to play against Harvard, Yale, and we slay them. <laughs> Look, I sacrificed both my knees and got very nice knee, replacement, uh, knee replacements from oh, wow. HSS playing volleyball. That's how serious I took the game. I feel... Betrayed. 100% lies. The Democrat who lost the election to Santos, Robert Zimmerman, says following a brutal five-way prime. Imagine being Bob Zimmerman <laughs> and losing to that piece of shit. Mary, he didn't have the time or money to chase his opponent. Our campaign, as we were just starting for the general election without funds, without resources, was not in a position to send a team to Brazil to check out his background. We weren't in a position to hire a genealogist to check out his Jewish ancestry. So my name is Anthony DeVolder. At a 2019 event held by the conservative Walk Away Foundation, Santos urged members of the LGBTQ community to embrace Donald Trump. You can help educate other trans people from not having to follow the narrative that the media and the Democrats put forward. Grant Lally, the Republican lawyer who runs the GOP-leaning The North Shore Leader, refused to endorse Santos from the start. I met with him in 2020 when he first ran. And um, right away, again, we thought he was very strange um, and, 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 and not frankly, not a serious candidate. He says Santos did nothing but brag about his mansions and fancy cars. His mansions. 
He refused to meet with us. Lali showed us documents from police in Brazil. Santos admitted to stealing and forging checks to purchase expensive clothing and shoes in 2008. Santos attracted the attention of local, state, and federal investigators after disclosing he earned $55,000 in 2021, but loaned his campaign $705,000 in 2022. So where did, where did that money go? Or was it not real? Someone bought George Santos. The question is who bought him? It's up to Kevin McCarthy and the Republican leadership in Congress to find out a I don't think they care. Repeated calls to Speaker McCarthy's and Congressman Santos's offices were not returned. On Long Island, Jennifer McLogan, CBS2 News. Hey everyone, DM's here. Please use the twerk for the children emote. I made it just for him. Also, DM, uh, I got some good advice for you. Where'd it go? Oh, oh, it's not. So I have a separate setup for holidays and uh, I didn't add it to the drops for holidays. That's why it's not here. That's why I don't have it. Need to go put it in here. That's what she said. Ah, ha, ha. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. I can't even hear it yet. Work for the children. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. I'm dying about the fact that I submitted like fucking 30, 40 emotes to Twitch and almost all of them, almost all of them are under review, but twerk for the children was just approved right away. DM, you're one of the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met. The first thing you come in here and do is talk about like, oh, the Republicans should cut Social Security. Like, you're not a serious person. You're a dumbass little punk kid who's never fucking seen a vagina who has no idea how the world works. But you've been hopped up on right-wing propaganda, and so you think you can tell us what the fuck is going on. You are a dumb motherfucker. Right-wingers are morons. Dumbest fucks walking the planet. They don't even realize how fucking stupid they look. When we come back from the other side of the break... Senator Ron Johnson goes on with Chuck Todd. Apparently, it gets really contentious. Ivana, Ivana Trump left money to the nanny that raised her kids. Perhaps that's the reason why Don Jr. was kind of salty when he went on a rant earlier today. Town in Arizona is having their water cut off. Six people are dead. California home. A Tennessee officer is under investigation after the death of a suspect. An officer in London 
has admitted to being a serial rapist. We're going to talk about uh, one of Italy's biggest mafia bosses that was arrested earlier today. An Iranian detainee is going on a hunger strike. Plus, I got a fantastic story about a billionaire who just keeps falling for scams. Proving once and for all, having money doesn't mean that you're a smart person. As if Elon wasn't a poster child for that. We're going to watch the Andrew Callahan apology video. A man with a Jesus Saves t-shirt was asked to leave the Mall of America. We got video of that, plus Madison Cawthorn does the most manly thing you could possibly imagine. Uh, If you are not subscribed on Twitch, you're going to get the uh, commercial breaks right now. If you are subscribed, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to hang out with you. Uh, But if you're not subscribed, you're not going to miss anything. We're going to wait till you guys get back to do the stories. Damn, Elon is one of the dumbest fucks to ever walk the face of the planet. And your worship of him is yet another example of how fucking dumb you are. Is Elon a pedo? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Grimes was, what, 20 years younger than him, but still, she was of age. She may not have looked it, but she was of age. I mean, Elon is a habitual liar. (laughs) Nothing Elon makes fucking works the way he says it's going to. I, I just, I can't believe there are people that actually believe that Elon is a smart person. <laughs> oh my God. And then the whole fact that he was like, my child died in my arms. And then his wife was like, uh-uh, that didn't happen. Died in my arms. Yeah, Porg, we did that story uh, a week ago or something. Yeah, Teslas are shit. And like, I'm fucking, if I wanted to do videos of Teslas, either um, doing dumb shit or molding, or <laughs> like, I would just like, it would, let's, we could do a whole show. It could just be the Tesla Patrol. And I could do three or four hours of just videos of Teslas fucking up. Porg, that's a, that's a good idea. Exactly, when you're walking around with emeralds in your fucking pockets, giving them out, yeah, it's easy to look smart. Fucking Elon has uh, a good PR campaign, or had a good PR campaign. That's all falling apart now. Holy shit! Ah. <sighs> Why is it every night people want to come in here and just uh, get my blood pressure up? I'll give you another meme. You deserve another meme of the day. Which way, insecure Western male teenager? Yep, you're right. You're right. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who.
Apparently Tate's out of jail and has been posting. Says he's going to make a comeback or some shit. Everybody's ragging on him. Never take the Rogan blunt. Look, I'll go on Joe Rogan if uh, if I have the opportunity. But here's the thing is like, I'm all friendly and shit until you say some bullshit. <laughs> and then I will mock you relentlessly. Carpe Pax, good evening. Somebody shout out Pax for me. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I saw several people post uh, videos of him earlier today. I'm like, yeah. Fucking Andrew Tate. Ernie will take that blunt. I'll go on with Joe Rogan. But I just, I have a low tolerance for bullshit. I have a bad, like, even people that are friendly with me, like uh, F-Bombs. I've been on F-Bombs stream multiple times now. Made him irrationally mad, so much so that he blocked me today on Twitter. He just had some random-ass tweet about, like, ah, I told you all, you should have listened to me. And I just retweeted it. It was like, old man yells at cloud. <laughs> he got very upset. Oh shit, oh shit. Somebody been trolling a lot on uh on on Twitter has been uh Fabian Liberty. And I was in their chat earlier, but I, they may be on a panel. If they're on a panel, ah oh yeah, they're on a panel. I was going to tell you guys to go in there and and tell his dumb ass to come in here and fucking argue with me. I'm constantly owning him on Twitter, but he doesn't respond anymore. War Machine! Good evening! So many friendly faces here tonight. So glad to see all of you. You came just in time for apparently what is going to be a very contentious meeting between Senator Ron Johnson and Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd getting into it. Chuck Todd does not push back very often. Chuck Todd to Ron Johnson, you can go back on your partisan cable cocoon. Explain, it is not a crime to make money off your land. Is there a schedule for arguments? Uh, well, I mean, like, I'm, my phone lines are open right now. Discord's open. But, like, as for getting on Prime K's or something, which is the panel he's on, I don't know. I've, I've meant to reach out to, to Prime K's. And like, hey, bring me on your panel and let me fuck people up. Also, I, uh... Multiple times, Stardust has bragged about creating, uh... Drama on her stream. And I'm like, well, when are you gonna have me on your stream to cause some drama? You have to pay his panel. I ain't fucking paying nobody. You bring me on because I'll I'll cause drama. <laughs> That's why you bring me on panels. I ain't fucking paying. 
But apparently Stardust has some horrible people over there, so... Throw me in that pool. Let me call them out. Oh, by the way, as, as, as we are, are bringing it up, I do want to mention a, a bat I had on Twitter today, which is just still boggling my mind. I'm your Huckleberry, said liberals defending Klansmen on MLK Day. Yikes. And this is because I saw a person tweet about Robert Byrd and talk about how he was a segregationist and a racist. Now, I've mentioned this on a stream a few different times. I knew Robert Byrd personally. I was news director of nine radio stations and like three of those radio stations were in West Virginia while Robert Byrd was in office. I wasn't defending a Klansman on MLK Day. I was defending a man. I was correcting the record of a man who fought against racism and earned a 100% rating from the NAACP. It really irks me when people talk about how horrible Robert Byrd was. Yes. Yes, he was a member of the Klan in the 40s. Yes, he voted against the Civil Rights Act in the 60s. But by the early 2000s, Byrd had built a reputation as a staunch advocate for civil rights, apologized a thousand times over, earned a 100% approval rating from the NAACP, and championed funding for a national memorial to honor Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I this, this person uh, was supposedly a pretty big leftist, and they, they were talking about... Uh, correcting the record on the Southern strategy and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, they will appreciate me chiming in. They did not. They did not appreciate it at all. And accused me of not being able to handle nuance. Multiple times said, you are defending a former Klansman. And yes, Face value, that statement is true. But why do you choose to call him a former Klansman and not a man who championed civil rights and had a 100% rating from the NAACP? It boggles my mind. I went around in circles with this guy and he was like, I thought you were coming here in good faith. I was, dude. I was. And he even even said, I don't know why you're so emotionally invested in this. And I said, for the fifth time, I knew the guy personally. So yeah, that probably does make me a little more likely to defend him because I knew him personally. He did say former. He did say a former Klansman. I'll give him that. And yes, that statement is true on its face, but you're saying you specifically by omission are accusing me of defending a former Klansman. No, I'm defending a man who apologized profusely for it and championed civil rights and, and fucking fought against the Klan. 
rant over. I'm sorry about that. That's just, that, that got my goad today. <laughs> and the dude was like, liberal defending of a Klansman on MLK Day. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway. So Ron Johnson went on with Chuck Todd. Apparently Ron Johnson wanted to talk about Hunter Biden. I didn't know that Ron Johnson was in the, uh, the want to see Hunter Biden schlong club. Come on, man. But it seems like he is. So he went on with Chuck Todd and Chuck Todd, who usually doesn't push back. Push back against Ron Johnson. These are facts, and that's all I'm interested in. I'm interested in the truth, yeah. and I think can the American I, I, public I, I, deserves the truth. It, and, these, and then, again, these investigations, yeah. they cover Senator, up the truth. Senator, do you have a crime that you think Hunter Biden committed? Because I've yet to see anybody explain it, it is not a crime to make money off your last name. I can tell you the crimes that he committed, which was apparently uh, tax evasion, and lying on a federal form. Those are the two crimes that we know of. So, Chuck, you ought to read the Marco Polo report uh, where they detail all kinds of potential crimes. You know, Senator Grassley... Oh, hold on, let me just stop you there. The, potential. Uh, this is... Potential is... Polo. About $30,000. I mean, it, Chuck, 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 is it a crime? By the way, Tadpole, Sharpie. Anybody else snuck in on me while I was ranting? I'm Tassie, good evening. Soliciting and purchasing uh, prostitution in potentially European sex trafficking operations. Is that a crime? Because Chuck Grass and I laid out about $30,000 uh, paid by Hunter Biden to uh, those types of, of individuals over uh, December 2018, 2019, about $30,000. is about the same time that President Biden... Uh, amazing. It's an amazing penal. Bills. Again, that's that's just some information. I, I don't know exactly. Here's what I don't get. All right, Senator. It doesn't doesn't really look I, on the. It, it sounds sleazy, as you know. I'll what. take your I'll, t I'll, t I'll take it your word that you're ethically bothered by Hunter Biden. I'm curious though. You seem are, to have are, a pattern. Are you not? I, I are seem you to have not? a pattern. I, I'm a journalist. I have to are, deal are you, in facts. Are you not? Are you not I deal in facts. You, it says, Senator, my question to you is. Uh, I'm always worried. I, I have skepticism of both parties. I sit here with skepticism. A lot of people's work. And I'm curious. So are you? Were you at all concerned? Uh, this, your Senate Democrats want to investigate Jared Kushner's uh, loan from the Qatari government when he was working in the government negotiating uh, many things in the Middle East. What are about the $2 billion Saudi payment? Are you not concerned about that? And I say that because it seems to me if you're concerned about what Hunter Biden did, you should be equally outraged about what Jared Kushner did. He's not. I, I'm I'm concerned about getting the truth. I don't target individuals. Target individuals. You I don't. Target the You're truth. targeting Hunter Biden. My, my, my concern, times my concern, on this show, my, Senator. You're targeting an Chuck, individual. Chuck, my, my concern. My, you know, Chuck. You know, and I would say that Chuck's point is even more salient because uh, Jared Kushner worked in the government. Hunter Biden did not. Obviously, anybody watching this is you don't invite me on to interview me. You invite me on to argue with me. You know, I'm just trying to lay out the facts. Press should be adversarial. Grass and I uncovered. They were suppressed. They were censored. They interfered in the 2020 election. Conservatives understand that. Unfortunately, liberals in the media don't. And that's part of the things yeah. that uh, part, part of the reasons our politics are inflamed is we do not have an unbiased uh, media. We don't. It's unfortunate. I'm all for a free press. Well, it needs Senator, to be more unbiased. 
Senator, there's look, misinformation this is, look, on both sides, but the Senator, censorship and Senator, look, we're trying to do issues here. In fact, left. I wish interviews came with a good cock sucking. On your partisan cable. <laughs> yeah, he's telling you to go back to Fox News. You live in sexual anarchy. Misinformation is, look, on both partisan, sides, but the Senator, censorship and Senator, look, we're trying to do issues here. In fact, left. Partisan cable. Look, you can on your partisan cable cocoon and talk about media bias all you want. I understand it's part of your identity. Let me move to what happened in Brazil. Um, and I want to... <laughs> I wonder, what, what did Chuck Todd bring up about Brazil? Now I'm wondering. Maybe I should have got the full clip. But you know, mention the Trump family there during that interview... I'd just like to bring up this little piece that I found uh, amusing. Ivana Trump gave the nanny who raised her kids $1 million, uh, $1 million and uh, left nothing for Donald. Which, I mean, why would she? That was her ex-husband. Uh, left behind one million for the nanny who raised her daughter Ivanka uh, and sons Eric and Donald Jr. Dorothy Curry, who worked for the Trump family, probably deserves a million dollars for raising those fucking shit hawks. Received a Florida condo that is estimated to be worth over one million dollars. Ivana left behind assets worth a total of thirty-four million. Bonna, who died in July at the age of 73, wrote about Curry in her 2017 book, Raising Trump, and said that she started as a nanny with a sparkle in her eye and plenty of nervous energy. Curry reportedly taught the Trump kids prayers that Ivana didn't know in English. Well... You know, it doesn't say that she left any money to Don Jr. or Eric. In the story, Curry is also expected to receive Ivana's dog, a Yorkshire named Tiger Trump. Yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing anything about her leaving any money to Don or Eric, which could be why Don Jr. was a little salty. He was a little salty in uh, one of the rants that he posted. I don't even know if it's about anything in particular. <laughs> I think he's just ranting about shit. We have a crisis. There's a human trafficking crisis. There's a drug trafficking crisis. There's a child trafficking crisis. There's a sex trafficking crisis. For some reason, I have a feeling like you and your family are involved in, in like all of those crises. And we're all pretending like nothing's going on. It's the border. Now, kind of. He visits El Paso. Not necessarily like the epicenter of the disaster, sort of like borders are Kamala Harris. Like, let's go somewhere hundreds of miles away from the worst of it. And won't see the carnage. They won't see the disaster. They just move all the illegal immigrants. Okay, who still has their fucking Christmas tree up on? Like, it is January 16th. Now, perhaps there was some editing done and maybe it took his people a couple days to get it edited. But like, this was posted today. 
It was probably recorded in the last couple of days. Why do you still have your Christmas tree up? You psycho. It's up the streets right before he arrives. And I'm sure within hours of him being gone, they'll open that back up. See it. Hundreds of thousands of new people. As someone who has done plenty of drugs in my life, I can tell you that his eyes are fucking welded shut. He is on something right now. Let's go somewhere hundreds of miles away from the worst of it. And Mika won't see the carnage. They won't see the disaster. They just move all the illegal immigrants off the streets right before he arrives. And I'm sure within hours of him being gone, they'll open that back. Nope, nope, Chainsaw, he's a speed dude. He's a speed dude. So probably what is up is that he is on the downswing. And that light is uh, uh, really sensitive to him. Back up. See it. Hundreds of thousands of new people coming in. Let's just pretend everything is fake with the Democrats. Everything is fake with this administration. And everything is fake with those who enable these kinds of lies to continue. Namely, the mainstream media, big tech, and all of these things. What? Democrats. Everything is fake with this administration, and everything is fake with those who enable these kinds of lies to continue, namely the mainstream media, big tech, and all of these things. Well, let's let's not make fun of his teeth now, because if, if I had any money to my name, the first thing I would do is go get some fucking fake teeth. I've, I've, I've mentioned many times that I have a fake front tooth from where I had a tooth knocked out when I was a kid. And uh, I was told it's going to fall out any fucking day now in 2016. It still hasn't, but I'm very care- careful when I brush my teeth. So it, it was 13 grand with dental insurance when I, I was working at a TV station. With dental insurance, it was 13 grand because the... Two crowns and a bridge I needed to put over the teeth are considered cosmetic. Having a front fucking tooth is considered cosmetic. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge him for having nice teeth. A little money to my name and my motherfucking ass is gonna go get some fucking implants or veneers or blah blah blah. I don't fucking know. I believe it packs. Shoo. I it's this dystopia we live in. Justin should get breast implants, Porg says. I'm not sexy enough for you. Want me to walk around here looking like uh this person that I'm still I did not get the chance to go and, and find out exactly what the deal is with this. I'm still putting my money on that's a right-wing asshole trying to make a point. But as far as I can tell, the school district says they are an accepted member of the trans community. I just, I have my doubts. I feel like something more is going on there. (laughs) There's more tit on this stream. (laughs) You get a lot of TNA on this stream, that's for fucking sure. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. Oh yes! Good evening, my friend. So glad to see you. Don't forget to wash your ass. 
Uh, but some people um, are worried that they're not going to have the water to wash their fucking asses. Let me take you to the town of Rio Verde, which is protesting Scottsdale's decision to stop their water supply. For people who live in the Rio Verde foothills, that's because the city of Scottsdale officially stopped transporting water to the community on January 1st. Now homeowners say that they are counting down and dreading it because their taps will run out soon. Tonight, they are taking their fight to the first city council meeting of the year. Hopefully, it's not going to be Verde uh, much longer. Unfortunately, I'm assuming this is probably a poorer community. This is Scottsdale fucking over a poorer community, if I had to uh, guess. For a solution, Team 12's Jade Cunningham has more. Water is life. We need water. Uh, With signs held high. I'm really pissed off. I just, I just, it's. You should be. It's just human decency. People gathered. Because their livelihood. For now, about five to seven days of water left. Each asking for help. We are here protesting Scottsdale's decision to turn off the taps to the Rio Verde residents when there was absolutely no reason for them to do so. On January 1st, the city of Scottsdale stopped transporting water to the Rio Verde foothills. That means hundreds of homes. Imagine if you... Okay, well, that's a little different, Simp. Thousands of people. This is our forever home. I'm, you know, coming up on retirement age. Are now counting down the days until their water runs out. It's dire. It's it's now. We need water now. Uh, we can't wait a week. We can't wait a day. Uh, really a day. This shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. We shouldn't be 10 days without water. What started outside <laughs> flowed inside City Hall. Well, can we get a background here? People hoping their signs would be seen, their voices heard. Within a matter of days, our water tanks at our homes will be dry. But this is avoidable. We have water in the CAP. We just need Scottsdale to process that water. With the countdown on before their water runs out, we just want them to work with us. There's fear about what's next. Fear. They'll be left out to dry. I just cannot believe that a group of people would look at their neighbors and say, we're going to slowly kill off your community. Those who were at this protest say it was a step in the right direction, but they feel more needs to be done. More protests they say are possible, and if no resolution is found, they say they have no... Yours are bringing up a very good point. Also, welcome. Good evening. So glad to see you. I want to know what the, the city's rationale was, though. They did not mention that. I don't like not having background. The uh, local news station did not do a good job. maybe behind a paywall yep a lot of local newspapers are behind a paywall and that's a problem it's a problem especially when there's a lot of right-wing propaganda that's very free and getting a reputable source is behind a paywall here is the scottsdale statements uh and facts about the rio verde foothills water This is the city's statement. Rio Verde is a separate community governed by Maricopa, uh, Maricopa County, not the city of Scottsdale. Scottsdale has warned and advised that it is not responsible for Rio Verde for many years, especially given the requirements of the city's mandated drought plan. The city remains firm in that position and confident it is on the right side of the law. 
Nothing in the city's action precludes residents in Rio Verde foothills from purchasing water from other sources. The water haulers who have previously hauled water from Scottsdale have access to water from other jurisdictions and are still offering to haul water to serve the homes of Rio Verde. Rio Verde Foothills lies within unincorporated Maricopa County. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is their local government. In the past, water haulers were allowed to fill up tanks at City of Scottsdale's uh, fill stations. These water haulers are largely commercial enterprises. Given the unprecedented drought on the Colorado River, the city ceased allowing any of this water to be transported outside of the city in compliance with its drought management plan. This means the water haulers Rio Verde has relied upon must find another source of uh, water to haul. They have found other sources of water and are still offering to haul water to serve the homes in Rio Verde. So I'm glad that we got a little more um, background on this. Simp saying that it's, you know, a McMansion suburb. Uh, this is this is the crisis that you're now facing for getting cheap homes, wanting to avoid paying taxes. So, huh? Not the not the story I thought it would be. Lady B, good evening. So glad to see you. Water is going to be a huge crisis uh, in the coming years as it becomes more and more scarce. What did you miss tonight? Uh, We started off tonight with, what would you guys say, about a half hour, 40 minutes of uh, talking about Martin Luther King Jr. being a socialist and then moving on to the fact that the top 1% has expanded their wealth drastically over the last two years. So, Martin Luther King Jr. started the show off spitting facts, but unfortunately, uh, I show that the problem has only gotten way worse in the last 50 years. Buddy, I know how to get around the paywalls. Fucking... What's that meme? Don't speak the magic to me. <laughs> uh, I was there when it was invented. Goddamn chainsaw. Know your role. Hey, Justin, are you trolling? <laughs> Lenny, did I tell you good evening? I think I did, but never hurts to say it twice. Also, uh, wash your ass. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. Oh, content warning on this one. We getting into the gruesome shit. Actually, the report was they believed an active shooter uh, was in the area because of the number of rounds that were being fired. I, For the people who are listening to the audio, let me set this up. There are six people dead in California. Apparently, one of them was a teenage mom and her child. 
Actually, the report was they believed an active shooter uh, was in the area because of the number of rounds that were being fired. Just another day in Mass Shooting USA. Deputies arrived about seven minutes later. As deputies arrived on scene, they noticed two victims, two victims who were apparently dead uh, in uh, the street. Deputies uh, began calling for uh, more assistance um, and located a third victim of a shooting in the doorway of the residence uh, where the gunfire was coming from. As deputies began searching the area, uh, unfortunately, they began finding multiple victims at this scene. We believe we have at least two suspects uh, at this point. Uh, we also believe that this is not a random act of violence. We believe that this was a targeted uh, family. We believe that there are gang associations involved in this scene, as well as potential narcotics investigations. Two of the victims, tragically. Amrod Curiouser. The situation is tragic. We have a 17-year-old mother and a six-month-old child, both of which uh, were shot in the head. You have to be a fucking monster to shoot a six-year-old in the head. appears that way, Buddha Bean. So they are still looking for suspects. I, th if the six-year-old had had a gun, maybe this wouldn't happen. We saw the video yesterday of a toddler just waving a gun around, fucking look down the barrel of it and everything. Well, that's that we were we were Borg. We did that joke like a month ago or something, where we were saying to arm the children to protect them from these cops. And then seeing the footage yesterday of a child waving a gunner, he was in a diaper, in a diaper. He was a toddler outside of an apartment building, waving a gun around, looking down the barrel, pulling the trigger. Twenty-one uh, plus is a is a start. It's something they're never going to do it. The gun lobby is too strong in this country. And even if even if we were to eliminate the gun lobby, the propaganda that they have just plastered people's minds with, it, like that's not going away. Uh, that's not going away anytime soon. So it was like. We could do away with the gun lobby tomorrow and it's still going to be generations before attitudes about guns change in this country. Just ask DM if he wanders back in here. Oof. Isn't that the, isn't that the uh, plot of RoboCop? Guns becoming sentient? 
Speaking of cops, a Memphis man's death during a traffic stop is sparking an investigation. On MLK Junior Day, too, another black man shot in Memphis. 29-year-old man who died following a traffic stop. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation has launched a use of force. I'm sorry, I need to correct myself. I don't know that he was shot. I don't know how he died. Force investigation, and the family is demanding police body cam video be released immediately. CBS's Elise Preston reports. I am a man! We was a man! Tonight, demands for answers in the in-police custody death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols are growing louder. This man should be with his family. Nick Unfortunately, no, it's not the man that got tased to death. That was in California. The fact that we like keep getting all these cop death cases confused is an indictment of what is going on in this country. And once again, 50 years plus after uh, MLK Jr. died, the problems still persist. Nichols died January 10th, three days after his family believes he was beaten by police during a traffic stop. Memphis police are releasing few details, but they say that on the night of January 7th, officers attempted to pull the car over, which led to two confrontations. The second after the driver tried to flee. Once under arrest, police said the suspect complained of shortness of breath and was taken to the hospital by ambulance. The initial statement did not indicate force was used. This photo provided by Nichols' stepfather shows Tyree in his hospital bed badly bruised. They beat the fuck out of him. Family is demanding police body cam footage be released immediately. We want justice. We want the officers to be charged with murder. We don't want them to just get fired. And they've hired civil rights attorney Ben. We're going to be lucky if they get fired. The family still don't have the answers. Nobody should die from a simple traffic stop. Now, it's not clear how many officers. Yeah, like he wasn't even wasn't even suspected of anything because, my God, if he was wanted for something, if there was a warrant, they would have told us. They absolutely would have. That would have been like the first fucking thing. They would have tried to drag his name through the mud. There's war involved. The police chief says those officers face an internal investigation concerning policy violations. The mayor says the city is prepared to take action based on those findings. Meanwhile, the family is planning a funeral. Nora? Police Preston. The family needs to be uh, planning a civil suit against the city, too. We talked about uh, corrupt police departments last night. I didn't bring up the Memphis Police Department. All police departments are corrupt. But one of the most one of the cases I'm most familiar with with the Memphis Police Department was Jerry Lawler's son, Brian Christopher, who was almost certainly killed by Memphis police. It was his birthday just a couple of days ago. That was why it was on my mind. And I went back and and watched a documentary on exactly what happened. Uh, the cops told Jerry Lawler, who is a fucking god in Memphis, that they were going to get his son help. And that's why he didn't bail Brian Christopher out. 
Apparently, Brian Christopher wasn't intoxicated, that he was clean at the time. And that the cops just actually had a vendetta against him. Content warning on this one. It's a cop problem. It's not just a U.S. cop problem, though it's specifically bad here in the U.S. It's a cop problem. We're going to go to the U.K. where a Met officer has admitted to being a serial rapist. No justice! No peace! No rapist! Police! Not for the first time, Scotland Yard targeted over a criminal within its ranks. Senior officers admitted they ignored warnings about a colleague, a rapist in uniform. We can't rely on the police to protect us from violence against women, which is one of the most prevalent crimes in our society. If the police are perpetrators who can get away with this stuff with impunity, how can we feel safe? Yes, ma'am. For 18 years, PC David Carrick attacked vulnerable women. He told them, I'm a police officer, you'll be safe with me. If they complained, he warned them they'd never be believed. After first pleading not guilty, Carrick appeared in court to admit 49 charges. 24 of them were rapes. This man abused women in the most disgusting uh, manner. Not only have we let down the women in this case, the survivors who've courageously come forward, I completely recognise that's going to be the reaction of many women across London, indeed, more widely. All I can say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we've let you down. Today, the victims who suffered at the hands of David Carrick have finally seen justice. It is their courage in standing up against this heinously abusive man, a police officer, that has helped to secure his conviction, ultimately breaking his power and control over women. In 2001, David Carrick joined the Metropolitan Police. He'd been vetted. A year later, he was accused of harassing an ex-partner, no action was taken. Over the next six years, he raped several women. In 2016, another harassment complaint in Hampshire. No action was taken. He continued to rape and abuse women. The next year, he was vetted again and passed. In 2019, he allegedly assaulted a woman in Hertfordshire. He got a mild reprimand and the matter was dropped. Two years ago, a woman said he raped her. He was arrested. The victim chose not to proceed and no action was taken. Carrick continued to serve as a Metropolitan Police Officer. He was arrested and still got to be a cop. ...charged with another rape and suspended. Twelve more victims contacted police. This appalling... Uh, Warlord, are you in here? We've got a UK question. Uh, will it, it will affect uh, people's confidence in the police and it's clear that standards and culture need to change. The Met has been hit by recent scandals. At Charing Cross Police Station, officers swapped racist and sexist text messages. At a murder scene, officers took pictures of the bodies of two sisters. Technically, David Carrick is still a serving police officer but he hasn't been paid since last month when he admitted the first of the charges against him. In the morning, he faces a fast-track disciplinary hearing to sack him. The Met said it was already tightening up its vetting process, 
and trying to root out bad officers. It was confident that today, David Carrick would never get a job as a policeman. Martin Brunt, Sky News. It appears that he should have never gotten a job as a policeman to begin with, or at the very least should have been let go after the first infraction a year after he started. Now I would assume new Scotland Yard is just like a new building for Scotland Yard. They were just very, um, unoriginal with their naming conventions. Uh, I mean, I don't... He should definitely be behind bars. He should get a job inside of a, a penal colony or some shit. Be working the mess hall. Oh. We're going to go to Italy now. We're on our, our uh, foreign affairs tour right at the moment. Italy, one of the most wanted mafia bosses, has been arrested. Wanted mafia boss Matteo Messina Denaro has been arrested. Now he's considered. Yeah, I'll let her say it because I don't want to fuck it up. Look at that motherfucker. I mean, I'm sure he's a dangerous man and everything. Porg, you think he's hot? Gotta love those glasses, that's for sure. To be the leading figure in the Cosa Nostra and was reportedly captured when he visited a day clinic in the city of Palermo. Denaro has been on the run since, believe it or not, the mid-1990s when the Sicilian Mafia stepped up their bombing and murder campaign that included the killing of two prosecutors. Well, let's talk to our reporter now, Davide Guilione, who is in Rome. On the run for 30 years. ...flavour of who this man is and why he's been so important. Good morning. <laughs> yes, uh, this morning Italians are glued to the news because uh, um, everyone's trying to understand how it was possible um, for this man to, to escape for so long. Um, Matteo... Uh, uh, Messina Denaro was one of the most uh, important uh, um, criminals in the country and according to Europol was one of the most wanted men in Europe. He was sentenced, as you said, um, to a life term for his, for, for his role in the, in the murders of Falcone and Borsellino, two anti-mafia prosecutors who eventually became the symbol of the fight of the state. Um, against the organized crime. Now, um, it was really, really difficult to, to, to chase and follow and capture this man. Uh, and, and there was an aura of mystery surrounding him because no one has seen him publicly for the last 30 years. There was a photo dating back to the early 90s. Um, My question is, what in the fuck was he still doing in Italy? Europe's a pretty interconnected continent. Seems like you could go to another country pretty easily. Of him, and uh, this aura of mystery surrounded him for years and years. Uh, this is a very important symbol um, for um, Italians and for Sicilians who over the years almost accepted the fact that they have to live with the organized crime surrounding them. So this man was really, really important because even though um, he wasn't seen publicly, 
publicly and was physically unavailable, he was still controlling and influencing the, um, the organized crime in Sicily, in Cosa Nostra, and was controlling part of the region. Mm. Uh, so it's a very, very important uh, uh, symbol for, for, for Italy, for the community, and for Italian authorities, finally, uh, showing that they're fighting back. Davide, what do we know about what he's been up to for the last 30 years? And, and, and more importantly, how was he caught? So he went to a, a private clinic this morning in the city of Palermo and he was arrested while he was outside. Um, he went to a cafe doing the quintessentially Italian thing. He was reportedly having a coffee uh, to the police. Wow! Just went to a... F guy has been on the run for 30 years and just goes and has a coffee. Ah, uh, that is... Uh, yeah. Now, now I've got questions. Like, is he in poor health? Is that the reason why he was in a clinic? If he was in poor health, he's like, "What the fuck? Let me go ahead and 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 go and enjoy a coffee at a at a cafe." Wow, I I wonder if if you wanted to be caught. If you're that fucking powerful. Could it be that he was in poor health, just like, hey, I'm tired of running, let me go enjoy some, some, a, a cafe in Italy. So a squad of, uh, more. Or, or OAS brings up another really good point. After 30 years, you may just be confident that you're not going to be caught. That's a very good point. You just got cocky. But, um, policeman, uh, was there to arrest him, uh, and he was, he's been taken into custody, but no one knows uh, where he was taken, uh, because obviously of security reasons. Um, so, um, so, so, so it's, it's, over the last 30 years, no one really... Um, no one really knew where he was. There was this mystery surrounding him. Um, people were saying that uh, he may have uh, resorted to plastic surgery. No one knew what he looked like. Uh, and no one knows what it looks like today. There was this um, photo who has been uh, photoshopped uh, by uh, uh, authorities, um, which was circulating, has always been circulating. But that became the symbol of the impossibility of catching powerful mafia bosses in Italy. Uh, and no one was expecting this uh, in the country. Um, so that's really, really, really important. Now, uh, this man um, has been sentenced to um, a life, a life term for the murders of the anti-mafia prosecutors, as you said, but also uh, is believed to be responsible um, for many bomb attacks uh, over the countries okay. in major Italian cities. And he's also perceived as very, very violent and he's believed to have strangled his own wife uh, with his own hands. So it's, 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 it's Damn. for Italians today. Davide, Davide Guiglione, our reporter in Rome, Absolutely shocking, and uh, thank you for giving us that update on the Mafia boss who's been arrested today. Thank you. Wow. 30 years on the run. I'm glad I went and got that piece and didn't just do the, the headline on like an AP story. Very glad I did that. Now we're going to go to Iran. A U.S. detainee is now going to be going on a hunger strike. Now, the one thing I do want to point out is apparently he had dual citizenship and he's a businessman. As good evening. 
Man, you just missed out on the dude that was on the run for 30 fucking years. What a wild story that was. Just waltzed into a cafe. Cops took him into custody. Holy shit. And we're going to go to Iran where a U.S. detainee is now going on hunger strike. Um, so- God damn it held hostage abroad, including Ahmad Shargi, who has been detained in Iran since 2018. He was sentenced without trial to 10 years in prison. Joining me now is his wife, Bahre Shargi, and their two daughters, Ariana and Hannah. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having us here, Margaret. I know it's never easy to talk about this, but it's important. There has been a lot that has happened since we last spoke uh, inside Iran and with these hostages released. Bahre, what was your reaction when you heard that Brittany Griner was released? I was uh, ecstatic for Brittany and her family. Um, Brittany should have never been detained. Uh, she's an American citizen that was uh, in Russia for no good reason at all. And I was very, very happy that she's back home. Well, no, she was and in Russia because it's hard to make a living as a woman basketball player. be done for others such as my husband and other Americans who are held in Iran. So it's hopeful for yes. you. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, Ariana, you know, when Brittany Griner was released, her agent issued a letter, and it stood out to me because they said they will try to help families like yours. In fact, they named Imad in the list of those who were wrongfully detained, held for being American. Also listed Murad Tabaz, Siamak Namazi, who has been detained seven years now. He was left behind when the U.S. and Iran traded prisoners back in 2016. Yeah, poor. Brittany Griner was the one that the right wing has been relentless on. And they're like, she knew what she was doing. She knew it was illegal in Russia. As if Russia doesn't plant evidence on people, you dumb fucks. But I, I would assume that it would be a hell of a lot easier to make a deal in Iran if we still had relations with Iran. Thanks, Trump. Do you find that all of you working together is is making a difference? I definitely think so. I mean, we are all a part of this terrible club that no one wants to be a part of. Um, but it's been really incredible to have this um, family of... Uh, hostage families of Americans held abroad. Um, and I, I do think that us helping each other makes a huge difference. Um, to well, no, I'm not saying that would have been a... a um, for this amazing... Uh, what, Pangea? Is the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, a, a cure for this situation. But it, it couldn't have possibly hurt. That Brittany is going to advocate for other hostages held abroad. I mean... No, wait a minute. A Pangea is the thing that uh, uh, you grow the hair on, years, right? Um, and he's been left behind by two presidents... Um, our dad has been there uh, in Iran for four years. Um, so anything we can all do together, I definitely think is more powerful than just... Luggy is still alive after what Trump did. Um, Hannah, I know uh, when we all last spoke back in June, you were all publicly... No, I was not talking about Pangea. ...with President Biden and with White House officials. Yes. Have you gotten one? No, um, we have still not heard... From the president, we have not received a meeting with him. Um, we've Yo. been asking, as a family, on, along with the other hostage families, to meet with him. For now, this is wild because, as it, like I've brought this up numerous times, like the thing that Joe Biden is actually good about is human relations. 
meeting with people and hearing their concerns and shit. Like Joe Biden is good at uh, assuring people and comforting people. Like we've seen it time and time again. That's like the strongest point in Joe Biden's political game. And you're dropping the ball. <laughs> I, I know it's a Chia pet. For quite some time. And I just don't understand why he isn't meeting with us. I think it would make a big difference to sit down with him. I want to tell him about my dad. I want to tell him how scared we are, how pressing this matter is. Um, the word I was thinking of is panacea. a panacea, a solution or a remedy. Panacea. Panacea. Panacea was the word I was thinking about. And how time sensitive it really is. I mean, our father could have been killed in the Evian fire. We this didn't is a, a fire at a prison where your father's being held back yes. in October. Yes. There's got a couple of Chia pets in there, but one of them's molding. It's at the prison where he is being held. Um, we didn't hear from him for two days. We didn't know if he was alive or not. Um, he inhaled t- um, tear gas and smoke from the fire. Oh, God. And it just shows that this is a really pressing issue and there's really no time to wait. We don't know really what's going to happen day to day. So I just want to sit down with the president and tell him our story and ask that he does everything he can to bring our dad home. Yeah, Anthony Blinken. Washington, D.C. We'll come anytime he has he has available for us. Did you receive any response from the White House to your public calls? Um, we did. We did. We wrote as uh, the families, uh, Iranian families, the Iranian-American families uh, to the president, and we did get an acknowledgement of the letter. But that was it. I wonder if it's some pin having to do with, you know... Um... The reason why I would want to meet the president is that since the first couple of weeks in office... What would be the, what would be the equivalent of like a POW, but the civilian version? What would you call that? Political prisoner. Maybe it's some flag uh, about uh, political prisoners. Hostages are one of his priorities. And since that day that I heard that, I've had this hope in my heart that this president is going to bring Ahmad home. And yet I have seen no signs. It's just been talk, but nothing really to show us that he's doing anything. Or his administration, really, to bring... Yeah, Anthony Blinken, we're looking at you. You know, Ariana, with the prisoners in Iran, this is a really tough situation. Um, The U.S. nuclear talks with Iran appear to be crumbling. You have Iran now helping Russia in Ukraine. For the White House, does it... Anthony Blinken is the Secretary of State. Do you think that's a good reason for them not to meet with you? Or do you feel like you're being treated differently? Um, frankly, I don't think there's a good reason not to meet with us. I mean, we're Americans, um, first and foremost, um, before even just being a hostage family. Um, but also, if Biden um, and his administration could have the, the, the courage um, and the, the fortitude to get Britney out of Russia while Russia is in a war with Ukraine, um, then I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be able to get my dad out of Iran. It's clear that they have the, the skills and the tools. With, with Russia, Russia really wanted, oh, 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 what's his name? The arms dealer. Ah, I forgot his name off the top of my head right now. 
they really wanted him freed. I don't exactly know what we have to exchange with Iran. It's very possible we have Iranian prisoners here, but does Iran care? To, to make these difficult negotiations. The merchant of death was his nickname. Make the, the hard but correct decisions. Um, and so I would just encourage- A very cool nickname indeed. Really emphasize with his administration and- with You're gonna have a moniker, you can do a lot worse. It can be done and it should be done. He did meet with Brittany Griner's Correct. wife and with the family of Paul Whelan. Correct. Um, Secretary Blinken uh, and the State Department has to handle a lot of these issues. Have you been in communication with them? Are they more forthcoming? The State Department has been great. Um, we talk to them often and they have, I know they have done a lot to bring our father home, but at the end of the day, I think what we really need is the White House to be more involved. That is really where the decision is going to come from at the end of the day. The president has the authority to make these kinds of big decisions and um, that's really who we need to speak with now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I've asked- Yeah, I'm thinking that's what that pen is because it kind of looks like a POW, but it's yellow and it has like- uh, um, but as he likes to say, the other side gets a vote. Like a head with multiple shadows. There is a deal to be made and that there's a choice not to take it. I mean, do you have any sense of where the diplomacy is mm. or any progress with him? I mean, we have always um, asked and hoped that the issue of the JCPOA and our father's release are separate. The nuclear deal. The nuclear deal, yes. But as of now, we have seen no plan to bring our father home. That's what I'd really like to see someone say, this is the plan, we are going to execute it, but it's- We have to have something Iran wants. Concise plan to actually bring my dad and the rest of the Americans home from Iran. And you tweeted the other we day- We can't just ask them nicely. The White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, was asked by a reporter um, about your dad on the day Brittany Griner was released. And she said she wasn't familiar with the case. You said it was crushing, absolutely crushing. Oh. Yes, um, it was definitely hard to hear that she did not know my father's name. She was not familiar with the case. I'm sorry I wasn't familiar with the case until today. Once again, she was asked the same question in June and also said that she was not familiar with his name or the case. And I just don't understand how I should have faith that my dad's gonna be home. Green, come on. doesn't even know his name. Um, you know, diplomats I talk to say they are working on this. It is just a very, very difficult situation. But you just want your husband home. How is Imad? How is he doing? What do you know about his state? Imad is not well. Uh, we, are, we are not well. Imad is thousands of miles away from us. He's an innocent American being held hostage for no good reason at all. Again, like Hannah said, and we don't hear of any plan, particular plan of how he will be brought home. Um, again, with the everything going on, with the fire, with the protest, at, Ahmad is at risk every single day, every single moment. They all are, the hostages in Iran. And we just... We just don't know why the... The reason you may want to uh, position her lapel mic like that is because that necklace might rub up against the mic. So they've, they've like, secured it. ...to do what is the right thing. 
We are behind him. I hope that we ask all the American people to be behind the president to help support bring Ahmad and the other Americans home. It's for you. This is not. A- I want. I just wanted to play a little inside baseball as someone who has yeah. worked as a production this tech. A, it's a locked up many a person in my life. Issue at the end of the day, it's not a political issue. These are Americans, and they just deserve to be home with their families. So it's it's not political, really. It's just it's about people at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming up on the fourth or fifth holiday season without him. Fifth. Fifth. Yes. Yes. And it is. It is. On the way here, actually, I was telling the girls, oh, wouldn't it be fun to go get a Christmas tree this weekend or today or something? And it just wouldn't be fun. And we have not gotten it. And we are waiting for Emma to come. And it happens that, in fact, December 24th is also our anniversary and yet another anniversary to be spent where Ahmad is in jail and I am here. So we just want Ahmad back home. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that, and we will keep following your story. Thank you so much for talking about your dad and your husband. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you so much. I wouldn't assume a lot. Oh, okay. So that video, I was wondering, they were referencing holiday season. And I was like, but this was posted today. So this is this is an update. The video was from uh, a couple weeks back. But this is the update to it. Imprisoned Iranian-American uh, Saimak Namzi says he is going on a seven-day hunger strike, one day for each year he was left behind in a 2016 prisoner swap in protest of the Biden administration's failure to free him and other Americans detained in Iran's notorious Evan prison. Namanzi, uh, 51, informed President Biden of his hunger strike in a letter noting that he now holds the Unevenable title of uh, unenviable title of longest-held Iranian-American hostage in history. All I want, sir, is one minute of your day's time for the next seven days devoted to thinking about the tribulations of the U.S. hostages in Iran. Just a single minute of your time for each year of my life that I've lost in Evan Prison after the U.S. government could have saved me but didn't. That is all. Alas, given I am in this cage, all I have to offer you in return is my additional suffering. Therefore, I will deny myself food for the same seven days in the hope that doing so, you won't deny me this small request. An attorney for Namanzi uh, told CBS News that he delivered the letter to National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on Friday. The past two years, the Biden team has unsuccessfully tried to revive the 2015 nuclear accord with Iran while also simultaneously arranging a prisoner release. Both efforts have stalled and been further complicated by U.S. and Western outcry at Iran's violent crackdown on protesters and other human rights violations. Believe me, I feel for the family. God, do I feel for the family in this instance, but also like... It doesn't appear that it was the Biden administration that dropped the ball. It was the Trump administration, which makes sense. And I don't know what Iran would want for uh, from us at this time. Surely we have something to give to them. But if it was that easy, wouldn't this have already happened? There's a lot going on. 
Oh. Let's go to... Well, oh, 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 oh. Did I catch the commercial break? If you are not subbed, you're going to get a commercial break on Twitch. If you are subbed, I'm sticking around with you. When we come back, we're going to talk about the billionaire who fell for multiple scams. We're going to watch Andrew Callahan's apology video. And I'm going to tell you about a dude with a Jesus Saves shirt who was apparently asked to leave the Mall of America. And the ad started as I was saying that. I was trying, I was trying to get it in. Bisky, Bisky, good evening, my friend. If you can hear me, you might be in ads right now. The Trump administration dropped a lot of balls. And you know what happens when you drop balls around me? I kick them. He's kicking authority in the balls. Good. I'm glad you didn't get an ad, Bisky. Good evening. So glad to see you. We got we got fun stories coming up. Well, no. I'm sorry. I lied. I'm sure I've got an animal video for you. But not fun stories. Not fun stories. We're going to have to talk about alleged sex pest, Andrew Callahan. I'll go ahead and admit that I've watched about a minute of it. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll save the rest of this. And react to it on, on uh, stream. Well, yeah, but you're talking about, you're talking about like my ads that I play as not, not the, not the ads that Twitch plays. You're talking about these. What else we got in this one? Oh yeah. The freak store. Go get you a t-shirt from the freak. Oh yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. Known comedian from Appalachia. <laughs> Why does Elton John like pussy candles? <laughs> well, thank you, Chainsaw. <laughs> also, Chainsaw will be special guest co-host of the Friday Night Freak Show. Whenever we come back, we're currently on a YouTube band. I think Squid's coming on next Friday, and I'll put that up on YouTube after we get back on. Is Destiny a sex pest? Uh, well, judging by my cock, I wouldn't say they'd smell better. I get the swamp ass sometimes. It's probably too much info. <laughs> oh, God damn. I'm making a joke. My cock doesn't stink most of the time. What was I looking for? I came over here for something. Oh, I was gonna... I've already got the... The ad for when Chainsaw is gonna be on with me. I'll just have to let you know when that's happening. <laughs> oh shit I was hoping I had a picture somewhere of a do-rag maybe maybe if I get wild hair up my ass I'll just photoshop your do-rag on my head 
I've done that before when somebody was on with me. I photoshopped his hat on my head. Because I do shit like that sometimes. Oh, fuck. I really enjoy doing the ads for the Friday Night Free Show. Wait, we got somebody that needs to call in. Ooh, let me go check in with Fabian for Liberty. If he's not on on a panel anymore, I'll tell you guys to go over and tell him to get his ass over here and talk to me. He's still on the fucking panel. Now I'm getting his fucking ads. Clicking off your ads. Fabian Liberty. But he's he's still on a panel, so we're not going to get a chance to talk with him. One of these nights, one of these nights, we're going to catch him on, where he's just bullshitting. I'm going to have you guys go in there and be like, hey, come talk to Justin Friggin. Because uh, I troll him on Twitter, and boy, does he not like me. <laughs> boy does he not like me also on uh, uh, Twitter I was talking about my, my beefs I had earlier today I saw this uh, I saw this post and I shared it and I, I gave my own little little comment here so Sarah Says, I cannot stress this enough. Twitch viewers, stop taking bathroom breaks and stepping away from your computer's phones while your favorite streamer is live. It is disrespectful and rude. We take time out of our days to entertain you. The least you could do is watch. So I retweeted that and said, as a Twitch creator, I cannot stress this enough. You owe me nothing. Thank you for watching and supporting my channel. Please don't piss yourselves. I also thought about making a joke about pissing in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. Just because it's what comes to my mind when I think about piss. But some dude chimed in and was like, it's a joke, buddy. And I'm like, so was my response. <laughs> I mean, you could pretend it was, but we all know it wasn't. There is not a hint of humor in your tweet. As if please don't piss yourselves isn't humorous. I understand that some people on Twitter take themselves far too seriously. I assure you, I'm not one of them. Do I seem like a a person who takes himself too seriously? Do a show with a fucking troll head. I get that. I get that comment a lot on YouTube. People being like, uh, "Blah blah 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 blah." You didn't report the facts, and you you're not a journalist. I do a show with a troll head, motherfuckers, <laughs> and still have uh, uh, more journalistic integrity than most journalists. <laughs> Matt Ivy, Green Greenwald, Aaron Mosher. 
so-called journalist, if Andy Nyo is a journalist, then my God, I'm fucking Walter Cronkite. If Andy Nyo is a journalist, I'm fucking Edward R. Murrow, bitches. New York oil tycoon lost. Uh, hmm. I did not go for journalism. I went for broadcast production. Very good question. I have a degree in television, film, and radio production. Not go for journalism. My minor slash. Uh, major whatever you want to call it I never did my thesis to actually get the second degree was philosophy but like I'm so goddamn close to having like I would I actually when I was in Alabama I signed up at UAB to go and take one semester and get my second degree but I found out uh, you've only you only get so many hours on your FAFSA uh, I fucking love philosophy I, like Philosophy, philosophy was one of those things that um, it was the very first class I took the second time I went back to college. Very first class I was in, like first day of, of school. And it was like it was like a fucking realization like, oh, these are my people. I love this shit. I love arguing about this and arguing about the fucking... I, the professor I had specifically would, would be like put two people in the classroom of opposing viewpoints together and like antagonize them and make them fight. And I loved that shit. The class was called philosophy of a conversation. Philosophy as a conversation. And he took me to the side after just like the first or second uh, class. He was like, have you ever thought about majoring in philosophy? I'm like, no, I hadn't. <laughs> I'm a broadcaster. Then I double majored in philosophy and uh, would very often bring in all my, like, I've like backpacks that had cameras in them and tripods and shit into my philosophy classes. It was funny. Uh, my thesis was going to be on um, Calvinism uh, and puritanical thought in the U.S. and how it resulted in. Uh, the current capitalist hellscape. I can't remember how I, you know, this has fucking been almost 10 years, but it was relating the, the, uh, how the U.S. was a Christian nation and capitalism and Christianity didn't seem compatible. And uh, going back to puritanical thought and how, you know, idle hands are whatever the the fucking phrase uh, God, I can't even remember it now. What was that? Idle hands. What's the fucking adage? Idle hands are the devil's workshop? I don't think that was the... Apparently Benjamin Franklin said idle hands are the devil's playthings. But also, it's probably a spurious quote. 
I didn't realize that was the idiom. Princess Kimberly. Good evening. So glad to see you. Yeah, I thought it was something about devil's work. Shelly, I love you guys so much. All right. I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. Let's find out what that news be doing. Yeah, it is the devil's play thing. I just Googled it, but for some reason I was thinking it was something else. But also, I fucking... I smoke a lot of pot, so who knows. I forget things. All right, so this one doesn't require a content warning. I think you should probably want to laugh at this dude. New York oil tycoon lost billions, first in Enron, then when he invested with Bernie Madoff, and now has struck out, having been invested in FTX. Look at that crusty old fuck. Uh, Everyone point and laugh. A New York oil baron who lost billions in the collapse of Enron, and who also invested tens of millions in Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. I'm sorry. (laughs) Has also taken a hit in the implosion of Sam Bankman-Fried's cryptocurrency exchange, FTX. Robert Belfer, 87, whose family has made several philanthropic donations to institutions like the Metropolitan Museum of Art, as well as Harvard University and Yeshiva University, was listed in court documents as a shareholder of FTX. The documents show that Belfer Investment Partners and Lime Partners LLC, two firms linked to the family business, held shares in FTX and its U.S. subsidiary, FTX U.S. The two entities held a combined stake of $34.5 million as of early last year when they participated in an equity fundraising round, according to court documents. The Belfers have declined to comment publicly on the matter. Rich people are not rich because they are smart. (laughs) The Belfort family joins other wealthy celebrities such as New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, superstar quarterback Tom Brady, Brady's supermodel ex-wife Giselle Bunchen, and others. Brady owns 1.1 million common shares of FTX. Uh, How much did he lose though? Robert Belfer is the Polish-born son of Arthur Belfer, the multimillionaire oil executive who fled his native Poland after the invasion uh, by Nazi Germany. I don't think he's in the poorhouse. After the fall of Enron, the Belfer family withdrew more than $28 million from Madoff's Ponzi scheme. Uh, and it doesn't say if he's, uh, if he's bankrupt at this time, unfortunately. Be nice to know. That's a nice tie, sir. That's a nice tie. I'll give you that one. Man with the Jesus shirt. In the Mall of America? 
was apparently asked to leave. Now, um, I'm again this. If, if, if the, the facts of the case are as they are stated in the headline here, I don't think he should have been asked to, just like I should be able to wear whatever the fuck shirt I want, the many offensive uh, t-shirts I have, such as Nuka Gay Well for Jesus, I Heart Pussy, many others. <laughs> oh God, even the one that, uh, even the one that I had that said, uh, Jesus loves you, but I don't go fuck yourself. I want to be able to wear those out in public and uh, it should be my right as American citizen just like it's this right, uh, this man's right to be able to wear a shirt that says Jesus saves. I might mock him relentlessly for wearing that shirt but he has every right to wear it. Yeah, the dude that said I uh, had the I eat ass. Well, did that happen in Florida? He was apparently told it is offending people. Man wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt at Mall of America is ordered by a security guard to take it off or leave. I just can't imagine that's how it happened. I understand that, right. but Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. No, it's not. Actually, it's not about religion. Oh, it's about religion. I always love that old canard note. Or, I mean, it's about eternal life. It's not about religion. It's not a religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. Go fuck yourself. You're in a cult. But it's the same thing, okay? People have been offended. And, like I said, all we were asking you is to take your shirt off. Go to Macy's or we can leave. I didn't say anything though. I didn't speak. I didn't. I didn't speak. I didn't. I didn't say anything. Just went to Macy's. What does the back of his shirt say though? Oh, I'm gonna say the back. It has coexist crossed out. It says Jesus is the only way. A cab means mall cops too. You need to take that shirt off. What is wrong? What is wrong? What is what is what is wrong with my teeth? Again, sir. It is religious soliciting. There is no soliciting allowed on law No, 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 no. Religious soliciting would be if he's like handing out pamphlets or something. No, no. This is just a dumb fuck cop. This isn't the mall policy. He is just, uh, maybe he's got a personal beef with the dude. I understand a mall policy against solicitation with religion. You don't want fucking Jehovah's Witnesses or or uh, Harry Krishnas or whatever the fuck handing out their bullshit. That is religious solicitation. That man just wearing that shirt is 100% within his right. He may be stupid. He may be a religious fucking nut job, but I'm on his side and he should be allowed to wear that t-shirt. That cop is stupid. Mall, mall security is not even a fucking cop. It's, it's all the fucking uh, uh, shit that comes with being a cop and none of the cool shit. Which is private property. 
Okay. So that is true, but he's not violating the rules. Exactly. What is he saying? Get off the shot, man. That's all we want. No, I'm citizen. I know the Constitution. But you were last time. Last time I was here, they told me to leave for 24 hours. I did. Yes. That day I was preaching. Okay. 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 So now the plot thickens. He actually was in the mall soliciting. So we've got past behavior, but if he's just in the mall wearing that shirt, I'm still on his side. But he has indeed been told to leave the mall for solicitation, violating the mall's rules, which is 100% within their right. You're still soliciting. And again, yes, you're welcome wearing that shirt in the form of soliciting, and we've had guests come up saying that they've been offended by your shirt. Who say that? We've had guests come up and say you've been offended. So, like this gentleman just said too, take the shirt off. And well, you fuck them. Who cares if they were offended? Yeah, but that's the malls. The malls. The malls. The malls are allowed to solicit. I'm pretty sure I'm on this guy's side, even though uh, we now know that he had indeed been in there loitering and soliciting. Spokesman for the Mall of America told Daily Mail that the man was allowed to remain in the mall following the interaction while still wearing the shirt. This is despite the fact that the guards can clearly be heard threatening to kick him out. See, one week prior, he had been issued a 24-hour trespass for soliciting, and he admits he was indeed soliciting. I... So there's, there's people who are like, they should sue, or he should sue him into oblivion. No... That's why I wanted to know what exactly was on his shirt, because, like, maybe he's one of those weird religious cults, like a black Israelite, and he had something incendiary on his shirt. Even so, I would I would tend to side with him. But my God, I that's the largest mall in America. I can't imagine that there's not at least a few hundred people in there with religious slogans on their shirts. It was within his right. But now the the he's already been banned for solicitation. That adds a extra layer to it. Ah, uh, here's the thing I've been trying to avoid talking about. Everyone asked me about Andrew Callahan the other day. And I didn't know who you guys were referring to when you brought him up. But then after I looked it up, I realized I had just watched his movie on HBO. I had seen a clip of him sitting with a QAnon fuck in a restaurant 
And the dude was talking about Hillary Clinton being a pedophile and shit. Andrew Callahan pulls out a arrest record for the dude who had been arrested for raping a child. And I'm like, well, my God, I got to watch that now. Well, what? It was only like a couple of days after the movie's release that allegations about Andrew Callahan started coming forward. I have not read the allegations. However, I have heard other people talk about the allegations and apparently they are absolutely appalling. I watched about a minute of this earlier and he said something I wanted to respond to, so I decided to play it on the stream. I've not watched the whole thing. But yeah, I probably need weed for this, Porg. So I should probably pack another one, shall we? Get ready to watch Andrew Callahan here. Apparently the uh, what Channel 5 YouTube channel that he had is really good, that he had a lot of fans. As I understood it from the HBO movie I watched, um, he kind of focused on following dumb people around, dumb social media influencers, and that's how he stumbled upon QAnon. Makes sense. So then he started covering the QAnon conspiracy theories going into the 2020 election through the pandemic. Let's hear what he has to say during his apology. All right. Um, I never thought I'd make a video like this, but um, I think there's an important conversation to be had, and I just want to be fully accountable, honest, and uh, transparent with all of you guys. So I'd like to start by thanking every single person who's came out uh, in the past week. Um, to speak about different ways in which my behavior has made them feel um, uncomfortable or pressured during a sexual situation and to people who said that I've made unwanted advances and uh, had a hard time with rejection. Um, I'm sure this was not easy to do. It's never easy to speak out. And it was uh, hard for me to hear as well, because to be honest with you, up until this point, I didn't even really realize that I had this pattern that had affected multiple people. Um, I'd also like to apologize for my silence. Um, I think that when this stuff first came out. I was in a state of denial and shock. Um, I was, you know, just riding the high for my movie that just came out. And then within 48 hours, I was denounced by my closest collaborators. And uh, my name was printed in, in, in 40 different news outlets uh, next to the words sexual misconduct. And I just kind of spiraled into a mental health crisis. Uh, I'm okay now, but I don't really think this is about me. This is about the people that I've affected. So I just want to express my complete sympathy, respect, and uh, support for anyone who I've done wrong by. And I really want to do better and be fully accountable for everything that I've done. So, so far, so good. That being said, I want to make a few things clear. Um, I've always taken no for an answer. Um, as far as consent, I've never uh, overstepped that line. Um, 
But, you know, I think I want to have a more nuanced and important conversation about power dynamics, pressure, and uh, coercion. Because, you know, like I said, I think for, for a long time, I was behaving in a way that I actually thought was normal. Um, I thought that, you know, going home from the bar alone made you a loser. Um, I thought that persistence was a form of flattery. And I thought that, you know, if at first somebody was reluctant, you know, they're playing hard to get, just try harder. And if you think someone's feeling you, you know, make a physical advance and uh, see if they go with it. And I think that, especially I realized when so many uh, young people, especially young men rushed to defend me uh, when this stuff first started coming out, that this type of sex pest behavior is normalized. And a lot of people think this stuff is normal when I don't think that it is. And I think that I Fantastic, fantastic point. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of men have that ingrained in their head and they think that is normal. It is indeed normalized. You have done a fantastic job thus far. Please don't tell me there's a but. Please don't tell me there's a but. Please don't tell me there's a but because we do need to have a conversation about that kind of behavior that is ingrained in men. There's a but, isn't there? I want to be fully responsible for not having a fluid understanding of consent and what enthusiastic two-way consent looks like. Um, that being said, a lot of the things that have been said about me uh, are not true. A lot of things are missing really important contextual information that I think would change people's interpretation of a lot of these situations, but I'm not here to invalidate anybody's lived experience. Uh, if you feel pressured, you were so close, man. You were so close. Young people and young men in particular can use my mistakes to learn and uh, move through life with a better understanding of consent. Um, as far as what I have planned, I'm not really sure what comes next. I mean, obviously, you know, reporting is my one true love and I'm 25 years old and I have my whole life ahead of me. But I really think that I need to do some serious work on myself and uh, figure myself out. So I'm going to start therapy sessions pretty much immediately. Um, also, not to blame alcohol, but I truly believe that uh, alcohol was a contributing factor to my poor decision making. And I think- Ooh, it just keeps getting worse. Devastating impact on my life. So I think I'm going to uh, make the decision to join the 12-step program for Alcoholics Anonymous. And during this journey into sobriety, I want to take a serious step back from public life. And like I said, figure myself out. Um, and I hope that this reaches uh, the ears of anyone who's felt affected by me. Um, I'd love to reach out to you or you can reach out to me even just for me to say, I'm sorry. And I really apologize and I appreciate you all. Um, I also want to apologize to um, my closest collaborators. You know, my friend. OMG, good evening. Producer Dave, good evening. Staying on their career forever. Um, you guys don't deserve this and uh, I love you guys. I wanted to bring that up because he's right. It is normalized behavior for men to think that like, oh, they're just playing hard to get. Oh, I just need to be more persistent. And, uh, uh, Kelly, you are so correct. Men underestimate how intimidating they can be. I, listening to stories of, of women who felt comfortable confiding in me and telling me about the times they've been assaulted and pressured just it, it it tore me apart he blamed the victim he blamed alcohol 
He said the the a lot of what's going around isn't true. I was like, please, motherfucker. Why'd you have to have a butt? You were so close. And you hit the nail on the head about the issue. And then you had to throw the butt in there. God damn. We live in a society. But what do I know? I am a woke moralist. Up yours, woke moralist. I ain't a real manly man. I'm part of the sissification of the country. Reason why real men need to take this place back. Real men like Madison Cawthorn. You've been wondering what former Congressman Madison Cawthorn has been up to? Let me show you. He gonna eat some raw meat. We disintegrated the heart with a shot, which was good for the animal because we don't want him to suffer, but we got a little bit left right here, so let's get right in there. Yummy. Mmm. That's actually really good. I'm not gonna lie. Is it really? You can go. You can go to a Japanese restaurant, a a sushi bar, and get some sashimi. It's fucking fantastic. I I recommend it. If you want to just eat hunks of raw meat, go get you some sashimi. Mm-hmm. Salt pepper. Mm-hmm. Little bone. A little bit of rib. A little bit of rib. A little more bone. He thinks this is how stem cells works. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! That evoked the that evoked the uh, Christopher Reeves from South Park, where he's just splitting the fetuses open, going. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Just chomping down on some raw deer meat. Good for the animal because we don't want them to suffer. But by the way, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. Nothing nothing wrong with deer meat. It's actually fan fucking tastic. Go get you some deer jerky. Have you some deer steaks? Awesome shit. We got a little bit left right here, so let's get right in there. It's covered in blood, dude. Yummy. Mmm. That's actually really good. I'm not gonna lie. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, venison is expensive at restaurants around there. You can just go out and fucking shoot it around here. A little bit rip. He's pulling the liver king. A little lead poisoning. All right. That's how you do it, boys. Make a good shot. It, 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 it seemed like he had a hard time swallowing it, didn't he? We got a little bit left right here, so let's get right in there. Yummy. Mmm. That's actually really good. Uh huh. Blood is dripping off of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Little bone. Little bone. A little more bone. Well, that might be bullet. <laughs> a little lead poisoning. <laughs> All right. That's how you do it, boys. Yeah, the bullet is uh, the bullet fractures, right? It's not how steak tartare is made. No, it is not. Yeah, the bullet like fractures. There would be uh, fragments of it throughout the animal, wouldn't it? As far as I know.
Oh, Madison, just because we have pictures of you cross-dressing doesn't mean you had to come out here and prove your manliness to us like that. We love you just the way you are. Matter of fact, we thought you looked really fucking cute when you were cross-dressing. We liked you better when you were cross-dressing. Real men do it in a dress. <laughs> that's what I asked, um... That's what I asked Massless Moses that one time. I was like, are you not man enough to fuck a man in a dress? <laughs> I'm man enough to fuck a man in a dress. <laughs> oh, God damn. Yeah, he was hot when he was dressed up in, in drag. Oh. Zoe. Zoe likes to go play with her bowl whenever she's hungry. An overweight, uncaring cat indeed. Uh, some breeds are a little cross-eyed, aren't they? Feed that baby. How dare you? She might be on a diet, though. Zoe might be on a fucking diet, because Zoe kind of big. We want Zoe to live a long and healthy life. And as you can see, Zoe isn't very active, it would seem. She's Every video uh, we are seeing of her, she is uh, laying down. Much more chunk. <laughs> Look at the puppy laughing at her. Zoe's cute though. Look how she she's fucking over here looking like Job of the Hut or some shit. The way she's laying. Look at this fucking cat. I'm gonna feel bad if she's got something wrong with her back legs and she can't move. Look at the smile on her face. Gonna be looking uh, like uh, most teenage men's arms, or teenage men, teenage guys' arms. Got that jacket muscle going on. I'm going to have to like scrub down uh, this room because there's cat piss somewhere in here. Could very well be on me. The other, the other fucking day, it was kind of warm in here so I didn't sleep in my pajama pants. I took them off and put them on the floor and one of the fucking cats pissed on my pants. Oh, she is switching arms, isn't she? Yep, that's the other one. How long has it been since you guys seen a kitten? You want a kitten? Kitten! She was in here. Playing on the bed, but apparently she is not. Hold on, we'll go find the kitten. We get you guys some kitten before we get out of here. Watch Zoe again. 
Somebody threw up right in the middle of the kitchen floor. Walk in there. <laughs> Play with my Fu Manchu. Walk in there. Somebody right in the middle of the kitchen floor vomited everywhere. He's getting so big. Baby, baby, stop attacking me. Look at the people. Look at the people. Stop it. Baby, stop attacking me. Look at the people. Look at the people. Look at the people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. Look at the kitten. Kitten. Kitten, look at the camera. I love you too, baby. Kitten. <laughs> She's frisky. I am definitely kitten you right now. I'm sorry you did not get a good look at her. She's a wild one. All right, if you're watching on Twitch, let's find out who we're going to raid. Producer Dave, you on already? You still in here? Are you coming on in a few minutes? I'll keep everybody company. I'll bullshit. Until you actually fire it up. Oh, okay. Well, fuck you then. Uh, if you are watching on Twitch, we're going to head over to Soup for my breadline. Soup will take real good care of you. Go ahead. Light one. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Shelly, Shelly, I did not see that. I totally would have. Uh, I I try to raid smaller people, smaller streams as opposed to Hassan. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.